Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. How many believes that? With all your heart. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse three. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us and our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. I don't think this guy would go over very good in the age we're living in. Um, This type of salutation and Sermon notes would not be accepted by this soft, lax, loose Laodicean age that's wanting a preacher to tell them they're not going to have difficulty and problems and trouble. And for this to be read as your text, it would be quite discouraging, I imagine, for a lot of Laodiceans. But for Bride, it should be a different story. We'd like to be remembered tonight as we pray over the word. God bless you. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we have read tonight your word, Lord Jesus, feeling in my heart to have Harry to sing that song, believing it would be a setting, Lord. Truly, it helps us to understand, Lord Jesus, as your people. We're so grateful, Heavenly Father, that You are mindful of us. We thank you tonight, Lord, that we're able, by the grace of God, to be able to even rejoice in tribulation and trouble. And that takes the power of God to help us to do so. As we approach you tonight, Lord, we pray that you would just anoint each of us, forgive us of our mistakes, our sins, our shortcomings. We plead the blood of Jesus. We pray tonight, Father, that you'd be mindful of every need. Um, many still sick with various things that are going around, and we pray for your mercy there, Lord. I have in my hand tonight this prayer cloth, Lord, for Brother Eugene Kennedy's brother. You see his need, Lord. We call upon your name and ask you to help him, Father. May you help me tonight, Lord, that I can step aside and get out of the way, that you might be able to speak to us the words of God. May it bring strength, encouragement, uh, whatever we have need of tonight, Father. For it's in the name of the Lord Jesus that we ask it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Saints, you may be seated. As I sat Tuesday morning 
last Tuesday morning. I was having a tire repaired. And whenever I go out in any place, public place, where I'm going to have very much time, I always like to take my computer with me. So I was sitting in this um, auto place. Um, television's about six feet from me with the Weather Channel going. People here, people here, people over here at the desk. Uh, the work area is here behind me, uh, bays back there, metal door. Um, every time an employee was coming out, working on a car, coming to get the keys of the vehicle, every time the door would swing open, the rock and roll music would, you know, just blaring out of this place. But what I found so wonderful about this setting was, while I was sitting there with my laptop and my lap studying, the Holy Ghost come down in this place where I was at. And I just thought, what, what a paradox. You got rock and roll going back here. You got the weather channel going here. Who knows what you've got going over here and over here. But yet, it didn't seem to mind. The Lord, he didn't seem to bother him at all. And the Spirit of God began to open up some things for me. And um, I want to speak to you tonight, maybe for a few services, I don't know for sure, but on the church, but yet the church and trials and the church and tribulation. And we know that the early church, most of their identity as far as what most people would want, would certainly not want to be their persecution or their difficulties or their hardships of life, but we would want the apostolic power, the apostolic miracles, we certainly want the apostolic doctrine, do we not? Uh, but yet there's other aspects which these apostles and the early church had, which was a great phenomenon within itself, in that, that they were able to be so hated, so despised, and so rejected of men, and yet so loved and so honored and so respected of other men, and so sought after by heaven. And it was quite a contrast between the two. Now, I'd like to, instead of beginning in the book of Acts tonight, I'd like to begin where the Spirit of God was dealing with me the other day as I sat there in that place. I, I, and I was in my mind, I was thinking, Brother Joe, I, I imagine there's probably been business deals that's been, uh, you know, brought about while business people were sitting here waiting on their car. Uh, there was a woman across from me sitting there waiting for her Lexus. And there was a, a, a man that was sitting there and he was some type of engineer. I know that because of the name that was on his truck. And there was different people that was there waiting for different things. And I hope I can say it this way and you won't take it in the wrong way. None of them, their business was as important as mine was because I was on the business for the king and for his people. And I thought in my mind how that no doubt business deals had been there. And I heard a man on his phone and he was orchestrating some type of, of business deal and all of that. But I, I thought in my mind 
What a great thing that Almighty God would pick such a circumstance and such a place to be able to deal with someone's heart in order to bring something that would be of benefit and would be of help to his people. Now the Lord knew that whenever I was going to leave there that I was going to go straightway back home and that I was going to have several hours rather which I would be there by myself and I would have looked like a more opportune time for the Spirit of God to deal with me. So, you know, I really don't understand why God does the way he does, when he does it, how he does it, even the time that he picks to do it. But I do know after the inspiration hit me there, then later when I went back home and I sat down because some of what the Lord was dealing with, that was so burning on my heart that I wanted to put it down so I wouldn't forget it. So, you know, I've learned one thing about the Lord when he's dealing with us, operate under that channel at the, at the right time. So I want to speak to you tonight if the Lord would help us on this thought of, of the early church and trials and tests and troubles and, and situations. And our setting, of course, does not begin with Peter or it does not begin in Acts 4. It does not come over into Acts 6 or 7 when the apostles were beaten, uh, beaten rather because of the gospel. But it's actually going to begin in a very difficult setting. And that is with the apostle Paul. And we know that the early church themselves, most of them never had to go through what Paul had to deal with. As a matter of fact, uh, even Peter and James and others of the apostles, their load and their difficulty never did quite measure up to what Paul had to go through. As God delegates and gives different measures of revelation, so God also gives out different measures of suffering. And I realize each of us here tonight, we have a measure of suffering in our walk with God. And if we are Christians, we are going to suffer for being Christians. Now I'm not talking about things that we do ourselves. Uh, wrongs that we do, mistakes that we make, uh, wrongdoing, uh, you know, offenses that we would make to other people and then we would suffer. Uh, Peter talks about that, people suffering as a, busy, as a busy body. But I'm not talking about that. I'm referring to the things that are brought on us because we are children of God. That encompasses many, many things now. That encompasses a wife maintaining a proper testimony before her husband who's not a believer or vice versa. It, it maintains a, a school child going to school or a college person going to college. It, it regards many of you that work on your job and because you are a child of God or a Christian that there is something about your life that is notably different than the people that you rub shoulders with. And because of that you suffer reproach and yet I know that what we will be addressing tonight for the most of us the degree that we will look at it will be above and beyond what any of us will ever have to go through thank God for his mercy for that but yet for for us for what we go through many times it can seem as if so we cannot bear one more burden 
or one more difficulty. But yet, whether we bear the measure that Paul went through or not, or whether we bear something which would be of much lesser degree, there are things that we want to see by God's grace is that will apply to those who would have shallow, shallow burdens and tests of life or those that would have them that would be so tremendous that even angels would look at them and marvel. Now, many of us may never be that type of believer, but yet there are some that actually are made an arena by which demons and angels behold the spectacle of such a trial and they marvel. They marvel seeing how human beings can go through such degrees and are able to bear it. Angels having dealt with humans for 6,000 years, demons having dealt with humans, their weaknesses, their strengths, preachers, prophets, lay people, whatever more. And they know that each of them have their breaking point and they have their limitation. And yet God will allow some to go to such a degree. And it's as if though one of the words that Paul uses is, is that we are a spectacle at a coliseum or an arena. And the difficulties of life are as if though they are be put, being put on and the actors are human beings that are being sifted through the sieve of God in such a fine measure that even other Christians that would stand beside them, it would destroy them. But yet for some, they are called not only to do great realms in the realm of the supernatural, but they are called to be persecuted, tested, tried like no other. Praise the Lord. Don't get scared and run off now. Now, let's, let's look at this and, and you follow along with me. Again, chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul knew God in, in many different attributes, but I love the way that he addresses him here particularly. And we know that this is by experiential walk with God. Now, this man is not writing this because Peter coined these terms and he thought, man, I really like those words. I'm going to use that myself. Peter never actually said this, nor did James, nor did any of the rest of the brethren. None of them actually wrote about God in this way that Paul did. So it would convey to us that it is more than just words to this man. It is something that he has personally experienced and went through. Now he calls him the father of mercies. Now we know that God reveals himself and he loves to reveal himself in mercy. But yet mercy is not always when it's forgiving our sins. 
Mercy is not always whenever we're in the need of, you know, we've done something wrong and we've harmed someone or we've offended God and we need mercy to forgive us. But mercy abounds in so many more channels other than just the forgiveness of sin. And Paul is going to lead us here in a direction of God's mercy that maybe you've never quite thought of in this channel before. The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Now Paul here identifies this name or this attribute and he calls him the God of all comfort. So this was the outcome of a living, of a personal experience in knowing God this way. So it was not, as I said, something that he'd heard someone else say, but this has burned in this man's soul, and he has walked with God into such an extreme. Now remember, there was none that was able to say what Paul said. Are they apostles? So am I. He said, do they have miracles? So do I. He compared himself to all of them. He said, I'm a fool, because others are saying, well, Paul's not an apostle. He's not this out of the other. So he gave his uh, God-called credentials and said, what they are and that plus you know that was necessary because in order to refute the mouths of those that were trying to degrade him but yet here Paul is not going in the avenue I, I prayed for this person and their, their eyes come open I prayed for that person and you know I mean many feel like that is one of the greatest things that can be identified with the preacher I believe in all of those things I believe in the miracles, the supernatural hand of God, don't we? We believe in that. We believe that God does that. But I don't want to just know God in that way. Because the false anointed ones of Matthew 24 will be able to stand before God and say, God, I cast out devils in your name. I laid hands on the sick and I've done this and that and the other. And Jesus will say to them, depart from me, I never even knew you. <clears throat> I don't want to just know God in that way, but I want to be able to know God in a victorious, <coughs> excuse me, way whenever I am being tested and tried, whenever I'm going through things and sometimes I don't even know why I'm there. But yet I find myself in situations as you do, but I want to be able to see him in his strengths whenever I am at my weakest. I want to be able to see him in his greatness because it's easy for us to turn in testimony. Oh, uh, brother, brother Joe prayed for me and this happened to me. Uh, brother Terry prayed for me and boy, I saw God do this and that and the other. But here Paul is not dealing with any of that at all. But he's dealing with the father of mercies and the God who is the God of all comfort. Now, I hope you understand that sometimes God uses supernatural realms to comfort. And there are other times that God will actually use natural realms. And Brother Brown talks about the old uh, black preacher and he's sung about, he's going to sit down, he's going to play his banjo. And you remember him talking about that, making reference to it. And he said, playing his old banjo, he said it brought a comfort to him. Now, many folks would look at comfort and they would say, well, comfort would be uh, something supernatural, and it can be. It would be something unseen, and it can be. But sometimes comfort can be 
someone's kind words. It can be a wife that can comfort you. It can be a friend. It can be a brother. It can be just someone that you get a, an email or a nice text from or something like that. So when God lays it on your heart to do that, remember it is the God of all comfort wanting to take your iPhone into your hands and be able to send somebody a nice little text or a little email or something like that to let them know that you are praying for them. So he is the God of all comfort. Well, praise the Lord. Now, notice this in verse 4 that Paul says, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. Look at this Greek word, the ellipsis. Look at the, the very meaning of this word. Affliction, persecution, burden, oppressing, pressing together, pressure, oppression, distress, and straits. So that included Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Right. That included every day, every week, every month. You know, that, that pretty much covered living in Laodicea, did it not? Affliction, persecution, burden, pressing, pressing together, pressure, oppression, distress, and straits. And yet Paul says that God who comforteth us in all our tribulation. So whether it is in, in, in this type of thing of affliction, that whenever you would be afflicted in your body, then God is the God of all comfort. Well, when it would go from there then to persecution, when you are being persecuted for the cause of righteousness, He is the God of comfort that will minister to you in the realm of persecution. Now you understand when you're persecuted that you might need a different avenue of comfort than you would when you are afflicted. If you've got an affliction in your body, you know, you understand there's a difference between sick and afflicted. Paul said, or the scripture tells us that those that are afflicted, let him pray. If there be any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. So there's some things that we are to bear and it's actually that we and our afflictions, we pray through that time. And there's other times in different avenues and whenever we're sick, that we call and the elders lay hands on us and then God ministers to us that way. So whenever we're afflicted, we, we may, you know, sure we need encouragement and let, let people, you know, God move on their hearts and say, hey, brother, I'm thinking about you, sister, I'm thinking about you. But your avenue of comfort may come in a total different way. Notice, and he says the, the, the meaning of the word here, burden also, or a pressing, or a pressing together, and then pressure. Now, pressing together is a little bit different aspect than actually pressure. You can feel pressure just from living in the day that we're living in. And yet, when you get around other people or you get around the spirits and you feel, it's, you feel pressure, but it's a different avenue because it's like it's a pressing together of these things. And then the oppression and then the distress and then the straits. Now, God is the God of all comfort that is able to minister to every one of us, no matter where you are tonight. How many is feeling pressure or tribulation or persecution or straits or difficulty or broken hearted or pretty much all of us. 
Now, who comforteth us all in our tribulation. Now, notice this is what Brother Terry just so stuck out to me the other day as I was sitting there in this, this place. Uh, I, 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 just, I just can't explain to you what it done to me. It, it just so overwhelmed me because as I read this that I'm fixing to read to you, it's like I saw a division in the, in, in the, the verse and I saw something that God was doing in a twofold way. Notice how Paul writes this. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. So now God gives us comfort, but he doesn't actually just do it for your sake alone. God will actually comfort you when you are going through something. And you know how that is. I mean, we feel for other people and we pray for other people when they're going through things. But just let's be honest, it's very, very hard when we're under such a load or under such a difficulty. It's hard to make somebody else's need our priority. Praise the Lord, because we're so burdened ourselves and we're so sick and down and whatever more that is. But yet, and God understands that. God understands how we are as human beings. But whenever we receive comfort, He wants us to understand that this comfort is not just for us alone. You see, friend, this is one thing I love about Christianity. It absolutely annihilates selfishness. Every one of us are born selfish. And even after we're born, again, there is an element of selfishness that remains in our unconverted flesh. Now you might as well say amen because all of y'all know it's the truth. You'd never have an argument with anybody if it was not for your selfishness because you want to prove your point right and you want to prove their point wrong and you'll stand there and argue till you turn red in the face or whatever because you are going to get the last word in. I don't care whatever because it's that selfishness inside of us. But yet God wants us to understand that whenever he comforts us, that there is another attribute, a remaining attribute of this comfort. Then we in turn, when we hear about this brother, this sister, this person in our church is going through this or that or the other, that we also, oh, I remember when I was going through that. My goodness, I remember how I felt. I was so distraught. I was so down. I was so low. I didn't know what to do. And God come and help me. Then what do many of us do though? With that comfort which God gives us, for many of us, do we then in turn turn and give it to others? Or do we just stop it right there? Well, Brother Donnie, I I don't even know that person. That's one of the reasons we have a church directory. We have people's names, their phone numbers, their addresses. If you don't know them personally, they still sell cards. You're able to go to the Bible bookstore, buy them a little card. I heard about your prayer request. I wanted to let you know I'm praying for you. The Lord put you on my heart. God bless you. I'm praying for you. Now you understand what you're doing. Then you are fulfilling as being the recipient of comfort. You are now handing it back. I imagine that our male lady, it's a lady that delivers our there where we live and I imagine that she from time to time must think that I'm going through some real difficult hard times because every now and then there will be an explosion of cards you know that will come through and I thank you for all them I appreciate I read every one of them and I appreciate it with every with all of my heart with every bit of the strength I know how to muster I thank you for doing that because you'll never know how 
many times that I have needed those. Just a kind word. And I imagine she must wonder from time to time. Well, wonder what he's going through this time. She's probably seen my picture on television, of course, and the paper and thing. Wonder what he said now. You know, he's going through something else. And I guess all the people about the church has got to write him a card. But that's not always true. We know you do it because you love me. And you do it because something may wake you up in the morning, five, six o'clock, and it just puts something on your heart. And you, I want to drop him a, I want to drop him a card. I want to drop him an email. So something in you has helped you, no doubt, in your past. And you are able by that to share that comfort also with me. Now, God, this is what God does in that when he gives us things, he doesn't just give it to us for us. That's right. Notice Paul says that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that what somebody else has gone through is exactly what you've went through. But the point is, you have learned how to receive comfort. And by doing that, you can also learn how to give comfort to other people. Well, praise God. I know this ain't deep tonight, friends, but uh, it's what the king put on my heart, so I'm going to go ahead and obey. Notice he said that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, and this is how. But Brother Donnie, I'm not a preacher. I I don't know the word. That's not what Paul said. You're going to comfort them by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. So you see, this leaves every one of us to where we have an awesome responsibility and being the ministers through the administration of comfort. Now notice he didn't say, well, because you memorize so many Bible verses and this is only for the deacons now, of course, and this is only the ministers. No, but every person that receives comfort also should have the ability because of them receiving comfort to in turn give comfort to others. Why? Because they're a preacher, because they're a deacon, because they've received comfort. How many has received comfort? Hands down. How many gives that comfort and shares it with others? Okay, so for those hands that was not raised, I guess I know who this sermon was for. For those of you who share comfort, who would like to share it more? How many feels like you've missed God at times because you didn't do it? I know I am. Notice this, who comforted us in all of our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. Not just particularly now, the type that you were in. By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So here Paul and Timothy now, they have been exposed. Oh my goodness, some of the things that they had went through. It was absolutely unbelievable, boggling to the mind of where they were. Now remember this letter, even though it was addressed to the Corinthian church. It was written from the city of Ephesus. So here Paul had many, many difficulties and snares. Notice in verse 5, for he said, for as the sufferings of Christ abound in us. Can you imagine a man stepping to the forefront in order to bring and say it in this way, as the sufferings of Christ abound in us? The sufferings of Christ 
not the sufferings for Christ, but the sufferings of Christ abound in us. Don't you understand that the sufferings of the saints of God for the cause of Christ Jesus and righteousness that the head identifies them as being his own sufferings? Remember when he met Paul on the road to Damascus and, you know, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. Why, he had never even seen the Lord Jesus. He wasn't even going out after the Lord Jesus, but he was going out after the body, and yet the Lord Jesus identified those sufferings as his own. Because when the body suffers, the head, which is Christ, takes that suffering as his own suffering. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth in Christ. Now notice, so then the same administration by which God, and we know when we're being tested and tried, we've actually found favor in the eyes of God. I know you probably think the way I do, it don't feel like I'm favored very much whenever I'm being run down and cast out and all that sort of thing. But yet in reality, I have. The prophet said the test is the best thing that ever happened to you. I know we struggle with that. But yet that's what he said. But yet we know then the sufferings of Christ if he allows them. Now watch how he couples it together. I love this this revelation in verse 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And the word aboundeth, of course, was used by Paul in several different instances. And it means basically the same thing. That it was as we see now in the spring. We see a little tiny bud that's coming out on our trees. Well, as it abounds, then it moves from that little tiny thing that a month or so ago was wrapped up so tight and so protected by the harsh and cold winter, but as the warm sun begins to move and the the, earth kicks around the spring equinox, that little thing will begin to let loose, and this is called abounding. So it will abound and it will go from that, it will push out to another stage of the bud. Then it will come out to a little flower or a leaf. So what is it? A further revealing. Now Paul said, as the sufferings are allowed by Christ, then so our consolation also abounds. So it may be hidden. It may be hidden when you're going through the trial. It may be hidden. There it is. It's like the little bud on the tree. And it's wrapped so tight you can feel nothing. You can see nothing. You don't understand what in the world is going on. But my brother, sister, if you will be faithful and you will be patient to the mercy of God, God will unfold that thing in your life and he will allow it to bring consolation in due time. How many is longing for spring? How many wishes about two months? Maybe, maybe six weeks of winter. What's the matter with the rest of y'all? Y'all like winter? I don't. I wish it'd turn off, you know, just really cool down about December 21st, down about 75, and then stay down to about 65 or so. You know, I'm talking about Florida weather, right? Uh, stay down to about 65 or somewhere in there January and then warm back up again. But that's not the way that it is, at least where we live at. And that's the way life is. Sometimes we wish we'd have more sunny days. There's something about gray, gray, cloudy days that they work on us psychologically day after day, do they not? Why is it that we so smile when we see shine, sunshiny days? And we, oh, what a beautiful day. And then there you look out and look at the gray cloud. You ever say that when it's gray? You say, wow, this is such an encouraging day. This is absolutely so beautiful. Don't, don't 
don't tell no lie. That the gray cloud skies do not do that to us. But there's something about the sunshine and the way that it comes out and the blue. My, it's just absolutely beautiful. And it's the same way with our walk with God. There's times that we go through those, those places in our walk as Christians. And we're trying to understand where it's all out. But if we can believe God and trust God, God's grace will abound by consolation and it will come from one stage to another to another and then many times once we're on the other side of that we look back and say my goodness I wouldn't have traded that for anything in the world can you imagine brother Keith Phillips told me not long ago when he was going through his leukemia and all that sort of thing and he said brother Donnie I would not trade I would not trade what I am for nothing in this world because it has taught me some things that right brother Keith it has taught me some things I've learned some things well you know as far as a preference I know tonight he'd much rather have his healing and we rejoice with our brother because of that but yet apparently there was something necessary to be learned during that time that the health stage did not bring him that's right notice Romans 8 17 Paul says if children then heirs heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ if so be that we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together now remember we're not talking about suffering because of our ignorance we're not talking about suffering because of self-induced or self-inflicted things but we're talking about genuine Christ related suffering now let's just be honest a lot of my suffering and a lot of yours has been because of me and my ignorance you might as well say amen it never brought no glory to God never brought no glory to me it never brought no glory to you a lot of the things we go through is ourselves. but when we're talking about real Christ related things it abounds to the glory of God and actually adds to our eternal reward in heaven Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering now can you imagine a man wanting to know know Jesus in this way a man wanting to know Jesus that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings oh my uh, how many modern day preachers you hear say that y'all pray for me that I can know Christ and the power of his sufferings come on saints Oh, goodness, we don't even like that scripture, do we? We don't like to read it. We're afraid of them. We shouldn't be. We should not be afraid of God's word. God will never let us go through more than what we're able to bear. But here was a man that saw something about sufferings that apparently, even as deep as we are, and even though we think we're way beyond Paul and way beyond the apostles and all of that, I'm afraid there's many of the things they saw that we've still yet to comprehend. Uh, that's right notice this now this man desired now remember he had raised the dead he had healed the sick it saw many supernatural powerful things by by Philippians 3 here this is many years on into the advance of his ministry so now he's learned that there's more to God than just supernatural we believe in that don't don't take me wrong now that I'm I'm against the supernatural my goodness you'd not believe the supernatural and the things that transpire right here in this church why doesn't people of the world know about it well I don't 
put out a magazine about it. I don't put out all kinds of this and that and the other, what happens right here to this church. But I'm going to tell you one thing. One day when we stand before God, the miracles that's happened right here is going to astound you. You as Happy Valley people that have come here. Because I don't think the preacher ought to take glory for what God does. I don't think it ought to be my prayer. Well, I prayed for him and this happened. You know, you hear people say, well, I prayed for so-and-so and this happened. I prayed for so-and-so. You're just hindering yourself from God answering more prayers because God sees what you're doing with that and you're trying to exalt yourself, your old stinking flesh. All praise goes to God, not us. That's right. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. What, what did this man see? What did he see about entering into suffering and in made into a conformability of the death of Christ while you are yet alive? Why would this man want to be made into a conformable image of the Lord Jesus? Because he knew if you are not suffering persecution and being hated because of the cause of Christ there is something wrong with your walk he knew that you could do all types of signs and wonders and if you are not partaking of this you are missing a great element of the supernatural of God 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 12 if we suffer how many wants to reign how many wants to suffer all hands down please don't lie, Brother Gene. We want to reign, but do we want to suffer? Most of us would say, well, Lord, to be honest, my personal preference would be no. But in reality, I know I have to. Am I going to run from it? Well, I have a few million times, I mean, but I've asked him to run. Sure, do I run from it? Of course I do, just like you do. But the bottom line is, if he wants me to, I want to. That's the way you feel, I'm sure. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Notice 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13. But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Now notice again that here Peter breaks into the same thing, identifying with the church of the living God. And that day, of course, by now, you know, uh, some of the deaths have already transpired in the early church or some have already been beaten for the cause of Christ. And they're going through a lot of things. It's certainly not what's going to be with Diocletian and some of the Roman emperors that it's going to be later. But it's a, it's a very, very difficult time. And God gradually let the church walk into these things. And then the, the church would have a rest period and the Bible said and the churches had rest because God knew they could only take so much of that at one time aren't you glad even in trials our father is so loving and merciful but yet Peter here also picks up the same thing now remember this is apostolic teaching this is what we're restored back to but rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings again the headship that is in the body when we are persecuted or suffering because of the word of God because of the testimony of the word of God our Lord Jesus still feels that very thing to this day that when his glory shall be revealed 
ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Notice now Peter does not couple this again with just gifts and signs and wonders and preachers and jumping and hollering and shouting and you know more than anybody else. No, you'll never find any of that identified with future glory. That's right. You'll never find them identifying emotion. You'll never find being puffed up in your head as far as ever producing any future glory. It produces vanity to the flesh. Notice he says in verse 16, oh my, verse 15 rather, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's manners. Now some folks, you know, in Christianity suffer with these above mentioned things. Now they got their nose in this person's business and that one 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 and then they hear that people are talk about them and then, then they wonder why they're so persecuted it's because you're nosy going around trying to straighten up everything God never calls you sheep to straighten out everybody's business that's why you got a shepherd well praise the Lord you can always tell which rebellious sheep are doing that because they sit there and look at you with that look on their face and they're not going to say amen or ouch it's the truth anyway it just makes you look bad in heaven if you don't amen the truth. So there's a great difference in suffering as a busybody or a troublemaker or one bringing dissension or causing trouble in the body. Then don't think that you're going to get some reward in heaven for causing trouble in the church of the living God. You're not. That's right. But if you suffer as a Christian, notice verse 16, yet if any man suffer as a Christian, now this does not even involve your own particular things about, well, I don't believe in men wearing, uh, um, what shirt have I got on? Kind of a tealish, I guess, a green, a blue. Uh, I don't believe that preachers ought to wear any shirt other than white. I'm persecuted because I preach that. Well, it ain't no wonder you shouldn't preach stuff that ain't in the Word. Well, I'm persecuted because I preach this and persecuted because I preach that. And yet many of it is man-made dogma and doctrine. Well, praise the Lord. That's right. Don't think that you're because you've got your own conviction about this and that and the other and you're getting reproached because of that. Well, I'm suffering reproach because of this and that and the other. Only when you're a Christian and the child of God. Right. Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed. So apparently there is an element of shame that comes even on Christians of suffering for the cause of Christ. Or Peter would have never admonished us not to be ashamed unless there was a potential there. Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. So whenever you are suffering as a child of God, as a Christian, then we should glorify God. Back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abound us by Christ. Now, notice as he allows us to go through these things in life, and we know that the world goes through things. I mean, my, the world has cancer. They have many of the same diseases you have. They have family problems. They have problems on the job. You know, don't think just because you drive a Ford 
Ford or a Chevy or a Buick or whatever more. I'm having office burden never was. I had a flat tar coming to church. Drunks had flat tars going to the bar tonight. So, I mean, there are many things that we share in commonality with people all around us every day. Come on now, you know it's the truth. And that don't necessarily mean that it's a trial of your walk with God or being a Christian. Praise the Lord. But whenever we're going through these things for the cause of the Lord Jesus, they bring forth a weight of eternal glory. Now let's move to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 11. Even unto this present hour. Help me Lord. We both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and homeless. Now will that be the measure that most of us will have to go through? No. Did many of the early church have to go through this? Not to this degree. No. But surely the God who was able to allow a man to go to this place and help him would be able to help you in your degree. Right? So if this man did not exhaust the comfort of God, then you won't in yours. Now I want you to notice that Paul, in the way that he opens up this verse, he opens it up with this verse by bringing the tense of these things, even unto this present hour. So he's not talking about something that he went through, you know, way, way back. Uh, Carol, when I was talking about when he came to church, and I remember as a little boy that uh, whenever we lived in an old house there in Kentucky that we did not have running water. We did have electricity. We did not have an inside plumbing. We didn't have running water. We had a cistern in the back. You heard me talk about that old cistern. But the water was so dirty we couldn't drink it. But we had a well on the outside, so we'd go outside and draw the water in order to drink, cook with that. We did not have a electric heat. We did not have a heat pump. We didn't have anything like that. So I've got up many of the mornings as a little boy and I actually go get a drink of water out of the water bucket. Y'all know what a water bucket is? Some of y'all old people do. Uh, and I would have to actually break the ice in the water bucket. I hear some of y'all saying that's right. Had to break the ice in the water bucket in order to get you a drink of, that was real ice water. Now, you know, I know some of our young people think, oh my goodness, you mean people used to live? Oh yes, that's right. You heard many of these amens that many of them can relate. And that's, but that's way, 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 way back in my past. That's way back in my past. I used to get up as a little boy and start to fire because the fire would go out during the night. Can you imagine how cold it would be in our house for the water to freeze in the water and the, the water bucket overnight? You imagine how cold it was? Of course, you know, as long as we stayed with mom, which was my daddy's mother, when we stayed with mom, we didn't have to worry about it. Because mom had so many blankets on you, you had to have a hydraulic jack to pump that thing up in order to turn over from, from one side to the other. Now I understand why to keep us from freezing to death. But you know, when Paul is now addressing his difficulty, maybe you can remember hardships like this, can you not? Whenever you were younger. But Paul says, I want you to know these things that I'm going to tell you, they were not when I was a sinner. They were not in my distant past of, of decades ago when I was a young man. But he said, even to this present 
hour. Do I drink out of a water bucket? I do not. Will my water freeze in the coldest of nights? Not unless my heat pump goes off, it won't. Am I naked? No. Am I homeless? No. When I read this the other day, it was everything I could do sitting there in that business place to hold myself together. It made me want to go out and buy a preacher, a suit of clothes. Buy a preacher a pair of shoes. Maybe help buy him a vehicle to be able to transport him around to preach the gospel. Even to this present hour, we both hunger. Now, wait a minute. I thought David said, I was once young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken or the seed begging for bread. And here is the greatest apostle that was on the earth, would ever be on the earth. Hungry? Hungry? And he wanted them to know that this was not one sporadic thing that happened and that never happened again. But the words that Paul is using, Brother Jimmy's tying this together in a series. Y'all familiar with series, aren't you? Series of hunger. Series of nakedness. Series of homelessness. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul Going up before great leaders and kings and addressing them in the name of Almighty God. And his clothes would have been so ragged and so worn that most of us probably wouldn't even have felt comfortable looking at him. He was so ragged that he identified the word naked. Now this word doesn't mean that Paul didn't have anything on. But his clothes were so worn. They were so ragged. And apparently he had no money. And at this time, no friends that wanted to help him. Lord Jesus, can you imagine wanting food? Many of us have been hungry. You get hungry in between 9 and 11, in between your breakfast and your mid-morning snack and your lunch and your afternoon snack and your supper and your 8 o'clock snack and your midnight snack. Y'all get hungry. But no doubt some of you have actually been hungry because you didn't have food. You've been thirsty because you didn't have drink. But for most of us, it was short-lived. But for this man, now remember we're not talking about a man that was a homeless guy when God saved him. We're not talking about a man that lived in the street in a cardboard box or a tent or a lean-to or a shack. And he said, well, you know what? I don't have no problem with this. I was raised in this shack. This was a man that had the luxuries and the palate of the taste of the fineries of life. Can you imagine how Satan must have worked on his mind? Amen. 
This man could have been one of the greatest rabbis in all of Israel. With wealth, with politics, with power, with clout, with everything a man could want. And he gave every bit of it up for Jesus, the almighty God. And this almighty God chooses this path. Imagine him sitting around. Luke, we got anything left? He said, nobody, I'm sorry. We, we ate the last thing we had yesterday. Oh, my stomach is killing me. I'm so hungry. And look at us. Soft, spoiled, Laodiceans. Lord Jesus. Lord God, help us. Amen. Food to eat? Clothes to wear. Just something that simple. You imagine Satan saying, Oh, this God of yours, he's mighty, ain't he? He can do so much stuff. Wonder, wonder why he can't provide food for you. He really loves you, don't he? He really cares for you. And this is the third night. And you're not on a fast, voluntarily anyway. And your mighty God, which created manna for your fathers in the wilderness. Look at your clothes. Bombs on the street look like you. Why don't you face it? You've messed up. You might as well go back to being a rabbi and go back to being Saul. At least when you were Saul, you had food to eat. Lord Jesus, even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst. Not mind telling you, friends. When I sat there the other day, I just went through the drive-thru at Hardy's and got me something to eat. I'm glad I ate it before I read this scripture. Because I'm not sure I could have enjoyed that biscuit. But I still had that drink sitting on that little small refrigerator. So I'm reading the scripture. And I'm reaching over, getting this drink, and I'm thinking, Lord God, forgive me. Forgive me for complaining. Forgive me for being soft. I know this message is from me, but I kind of got an idea that I'm probably not the only one. Or the Lord would have just let me preach it to me on last Tuesday and spared you all this. Even under this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked. The clothes worn, threadbare, no money to purchase it, apparently no friends. That would help him. Now you know Paul wasn't a bum or a beggar. He didn't go around bumming for people. 
But can you imagine a man dressed like this? Well, yet Brother Jim woke up before consulates and prefects and not be ashamed. Now, how would you like to come to church like that? How if you could not provide for yourself or your family and you had to go to Goodwill and buy your clothes and there ain't nothing wrong with that. But if they were so threadbare, you couldn't even afford Goodwill. You had to wait for them to throw away their refuse. And that's what you wore to church. Some of you wouldn't come because you got so much stinking pride about you. You got to go to the mall and buy yours. You got to have name brand purses and name brand shoes and name brand this. And boy, you like to show everybody that name brand. Come on, happy about it. Don't get quiet on me. What makes us better than Paul? What makes us better than this man? He wasn't looking for some name brand. It just been nice to have something cleaned and something that wasn't soiled and threadbare. After all, I'm preaching before a king today. It'd be kind of nice to have a decent-looking set of clothes on, Brother Joe, like you've got, a nice suit on, like I've got on. Lord Jesus. Paul said, "Not only are we hungry and thirsty and naked." But buffeted, not only by the devil, but by men, Jews, Gentiles, beat them with rods, scourged them with whips. This word, this verb that he used here means literally to be slapped in the face. That'd work on your sanctification, wouldn't it? I'll tell you one thing. It's one thing for somebody to call you a name. But boy, to smack you in the face to be buffeted over and over again. And then Paul said, not only that, I ain't even got no home. I ain't got no certain dwelling place. Now remember his father, his father disowned him. When Paul become a Christian and traded the name Saul for the name Paul, his father disowned him and said he was dead to him and told him to never come see him again. He was removed from the inheritance and the will. And it seemed as if though the Lord Jesus had removed him from his will. My, my, my. We're always, he said, in this unsettled state. I'm here for a while. And then the people are kind enough to me to put me up. And then I go over here. I wonder how many nights, friend, this man slept on the streets. Dear Lord Jesus. Kind of reminds me of our Lord and Master. 
Remember, some of the disciples come to him one day and say, where you dwell? He said, that's easy to tell you. The foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. The Son of Man ain't got nowhere to lay his head. Now, was that his lot in life? It was. Am I telling y'all to sell your house, sell your home, become homeless? No. But I'm telling you this. If God, you believe what you want. I believe God was the one who orchestrated this depth of suffering for this man. This was not bad business deals. This was not overspending his budget. God orchestrated this for the man because of the position he held. Remember, Paul still had an unconverted element. Now, some of you get quiet on me on this. But Paul had an unconverted element about himself. Call it a black dog, if you will. Because of the abundance of the revelation that was given unto me, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, which was sent to buffet me, lest at any time I should be exalted above measure. So that shows to us that Paul had an element in his unconverted flesh, and Happy Valley said, that God had to deal with. You believe Paul had the Holy Ghost? You believe Paul was a converted man? But there was a part about him that was not converted, and revelation would not subdue that. Deep teaching would not keep that subject. Well, I wish somebody would preach with me. It was not the great revelations of Melchizedek and the Godhead and the Logos and so on and so on that would keep that humble, but God knew how to send thorns. Preachers that don't have thorns along with their great revelations are false prophets. Preachers that ain't being tried, stay away from them. They're not even men of God. They're all the time on the mountaintop and never going through nothing. You run from them as fast as you can. That's right. Notice, so he was homeless. Now remember, again, the setting to this is Ephesus. So he dealt with, of course, many of these people that run, that run him out of town and the, the coppersmiths and all of that, one instance out of the other. Now notice in verse 12, he goes on with this pitiful scenario. So he tells them that we hunger and we thirst and we're, we're naked and we're buffeted and labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless being persecuted, we suffer. Now, Paul was not afraid to work. You know, according to Acts 18.3, that Paul actually worked for a measure of time. He was a tent maker, and Paul was not afraid of work. He was not, you know, where he had the thought to the spot, well, I don't have to work. I'm a preacher. I'll tell you why people ought to support me and this and that and the other. But Paul worked for himself when he needed to, and he also helped others along the way in his work. But yet, it was not natural labor, but he was laboring in the spirit sense as well and he says we labor working with our own hands and yet others no doubt it was a good example for be able to prove to them diligence and industry on themselves and he said we're also reviled now once you notice the difference now between Paul and the modern day Christian and the modern day preacher 
That Paul said we're being reviled and yet in opposite to that, what do they do? We bless. So instead of taking their deals and making this great old big long story out of it, service after service after service, poor old me, poor old me, poor old me, I'm going through this and that and the other. Don't y'all feel sorry for poor old me. Instead of going all that, Paul said, and we're not praying the fire out of heaven that God will destroy them, but he said, you know what we do? We bless. So we are reviled and we bless. We're persecuted and we suffer it. Come on, saints. Every Christian is going to be persecuted. But there is a great victory in going along with the persecution and saying, God, give me strength, give me grace, and help me, Lord, not to bellyache about everything I go through. Some people never learn how to deal with that. They want everybody and their brother to know, and now that everybody's a preacher on Facebook, they want to put what they're going through, and if they're not getting their proper attention at home, then they'll put their plight on Facebook. And then the people go to responding about, oh, poor little you, poor little you, poor little you. And then that runs for a while, and then it runs down, and then they'll post more stuff. Don't you understand that people are sick? They need help. And then they really think they need that, but what they need is a good dose of the Holy Ghost because they're constantly needing attention from this one, that one, and the other one. And it's like a drink, really. It's like a fix to a drug addict. And that attention gives them a little bit of a fix for a while and then it all runs down and they get all down on the dumps again and they need some more picker-upper. So they go, well, nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. I'm going off Facebook. Oh, no, please don't go off Facebook. Oh, what would we do without you? Oh, you're so great. You're so stupendous. I mean, stupid. You're so wonderful and you're just such a wonderful, tremendous person and then it kind of boosts them up again and they get another fix that would be an awful person to be in it'd be an awful shape to be into I'll tell you friend we need to realize this world does not focus around us it focuses around Jesus Christ it's not around you it's not around me we need to move on with our lives and hell ask God to help us to be victorious in trouble well praise God Notice in verse 13, being defamed, which means blasphemed. The word signifies, but the use of it is being evil spoken of and our good name taken away. Spoken of too in a harsh and an abusive manner and our character is hurt. So now notice their response. So being defamed, we get back on Facebook and defame as well. We also make a YouTube video and damn these people to hellfire. No, that's what we do. Preachers in the message standing up in the pulpit damning people to hell. Saying they got the authority to send people to their destiny. Only God has that authority. Certainly not no two before preacher. So Paul said, we're defamed. Our name is ruined. No, can you imagine the lies they told on this man? 
Can you imagine the fabrication of, of drinking or women or running around? Or, there's no telling what they told on this man. And yet Paul didn't sit around and twiddle his thumb. Poor little old me, Peter. You know, Peter gets to get by with this. And, and James gets to be by with that. Man, I wish I could be like him. I don't know why in the world I'm, I'm so persecuted. I'm so hated. I'm this and that and the other. But, but he said, you know what? We're defamed. Our name is run down. But what we do whenever we go through that, we are entreated. I love this word because it means that the word entreat is that we ask God for mercy for them. Let's stand. Let's stand. So our names are ruined. We're blasphemed. That's behind our back. And then when they run into us, they talk to us like I don't know what. Abusive, rough. And then we also talk about them. Paul said. To God. And ask God to help them see the error of their ways. Now, this is apostolic doctrine. How many wants it? Don't make a shout like going to the hospitals and emptying out the hospital beds, does it? You won't hear many preachers testify of this. As a matter of fact, you're probably going to hear a lot of preachers even preach this. Because it's not something preachers want. I don't want it. But it's part of being who I am. I have to have it. And my God never sends nothing my way that I don't need or isn't good for me. Even though there's been times I wish it wasn't with my name on it. I'm not a jealous person. I've wished many a time these packages that come to my door would have come to yours. <laughs> yours. Brother Chase said, no, 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 no. It's right down the hill. You got the wrong preacher. Horn, horn. <laughs> but if God addresses it to me, apparently God means it from my address. Will we ever understand it? I don't think so. Even as Christians coming to the same church. Some go through so much stuff. Some with their health and some with their finances and some with their family. And they get through one thing and then it's another, one thing and then another. Aren't you glad you know the God of all comfort? Praise God. Can you imagine? Let me read this and we'll pick it up again maybe next, next Wednesday night. Verse 13 again, Brother Eric. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and the scouring of all things unto this day. The filth and off scouring. 
goodness. Thank God for men like this that was able to suffer it. So I don't mind telling you, as far as what I've went through, I have nothing to compare to what he went through. So I'm going to take his word that God can help you through big stuff. Anybody here going to take his word? Anybody been through what he'd been through? You know you haven't. So if God could help him and comfort him, God can help me in the little things that I go through. Little compared to him. Now my little things compared to him, no doubt, are big things compared to some of you. And some of the things you go through are big compared to maybe something somebody else would go through. But Paul said they that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. So we're not looking at your big thing and your little thing and your, they're all things. That's what we want to look at. What we want to look at and know is the God who helped Paul deal with his will help us deal with ours. Whether they're big or small or gigantic or enormous or not so much. Let's pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, how humbling, Lord. Thank you for these things tonight, Father. I appreciate them, Lord, with all my heart. I know they're not great deep things. They're not things that we will sit and ponder over as some deep revelation. A lot of people probably 15 minutes into this service done determined it wasn't going to be deep and they done exited out and went to somebody else's website. Some that'll stream it and go back and archive it and they'll tell, nah, I don't need that. That's just for shallow people. That's... But Lord, I thank you for sending it our way tonight, Father. We needed it, Lord. Forgive us for complaining, Lord Jesus. Forgive us for being tainted and affected by Laodicea. Lord, it's this age that we live. It's around us everywhere. We know that we must be purged constantly, washed by the water of the word. Help each one tonight, Lord. In the name of Jesus, may you minister to them, Father. I know you well enough to know you don't put something on a preacher's heart without there being a cause or sometimes many causes. You know who those causes are tonight, Lord. You're the God who comforteth us in all of our tribulations, our afflictions, our sicknesses, our troubles. And God, I pray you would help us as we receive comfort that we in turn can turn back to your God and help comfort those that are going through such things. We love you tonight. Bless it, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Is there anybody here tonight with, without anyone looking around? That you're going through something and you just really need the help of the Lord. The strength of the Lord. Would you just raise your hand to him? God bless you. Many, many hands here. Maybe some of you out streaming on the service. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's a member in your family. Would you just raise your hand there where you are? Praise God. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, pass by this way tonight, Lord Jesus.
not only here, but Father, by invisible means, we're connected tonight with people in different states and different nations will hear this. May you go to them as well, Lord. No doubt the needs of the people in Norway, Zimbabwe, Newfoundland, wherever it would be in different parts of the world would be different than ours here in East Tennessee. But the God who can help us can help them and vice versa. Maybe some tonight have financial needs and others, they don't struggle financially at all. Maybe their struggle is they've got so much they tend to lean toward the other side. But Lord, no matter what our needs are, you're mindful of every one of us. And it doesn't make any of us bigger than the others or any of us smaller than the others. Some more important, some less important. If we're children, we're children. We all come the same way through the blood of the Lord Jesus. Help us tonight, Father. Lord, I I don't mind telling you. I'm going to have to be changed. Because me looking at what I've done in this life for you, to have to stand by a man like Paul, I know I won't think that way then. I know that. But Lord, as your prophet mentioned something about that, how would we stand with people like that at that day? Lord, help us. Lord, and we don't want to work and just do things for reward or compare to others. But we want to do and use what you put in our hands. That's what we're responsible for. I'm not responsible for what you've given to other preachers. I'm not responsible for what you put into their hands. But I am responsible for what you put into mine. Help me, Lord. You know, I am 62 years old. I'd have never thought I'd ever reach this age first place. Then, Lord, I think, what have I done? What have I done? Just a few more settings of the sun. Unless the rapture comes, I'll be too old to preach. I'll have to step down and the church will go on and I'll have to get a younger man. No doubt I'll look back and say, what did I do? What did I do? Oh, God, help me. Please help me. Lord Jesus, help each of us here tonight, Father. Oh, Lord, that we can do our best with what you've given us. Grant it, Lord Jesus. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Praise be to God. How many with me would like to raise your hand and say, Lord, forgive me for grumbling. Forgive me for complaining. God bless you, saints, for your honesty. Amen. May we be able to find that spot that Paul found where he said, I've found that whatever state I'm in, that I can give thanks to God, give honor, give praise, be able to magnify His name. Thank you, Jesus. Come here, Ellie. Ellie had that uh, tube taken out of her stomach four weeks ago today. 
and she went to a surgeon uh, this week, and the surgeon said that it had healed on the inside properly, but because it had been there for so long, so much scar tissue around it, it's right in here, that that was not going to properly heal. So she's going to have to have surgery tomorrow. They're going to have to cut out that and go inside of there and stitch four layers, like of the skin and all that, on the inside. So another one of life's things. Ellie's had surgeries since she was a little tiny baby. Her first one, they had to wrap her esophagus because of the acid reflux. Got it too tight. Had to loosen it. One deal after another after another. Her sisters, why hasn't she gone through it? Why hasn't some of yours? That's questions that we'll have answered for us on the other side. Just pray with us. She's having surgery tomorrow. Lord Jesus, as we stand here before you tonight, dear God, we lay our hands on Ellie, Lord. We're just asking you, Father, for your mercy that you'd help her and be with her. She's a brave little soldier, Lord. Lord, she's been stuck so many times with needles and had blood drawn so many times and surgeries, had so many things done to her, Lord. Yeah, Lord, she has a great attitude about it. Thank you for helping her with that, Father. I pray, Lord, that you'll just be with her tomorrow and be with the surgeon, Lord. May you just guide the surgeon's hand, Father. You know, Lord, it probably wouldn't be considered a major, major surgery like lots of things are, but they'll have to put her out, and we're just asking you, Lord, that you'd be with her. Lord, we pray that you'd just help her that in a recuperation that there'll be no infections or anything that'll come of it, Lord. Lord, she's been walking around now for a month and her stomach leaking out and having bandages and trying to hold it and or acid out of her stomach coming out on her clothes and all of that. So, Father, we're just believing you in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you're going to touch her, that you're going to help her, Lord God, and she's going to be healed of this, dear God. Help her tonight, Father, we pray. Lord, may you be there with her, I ask, dear God. May you comfort her little heart, Lord, and help her not to be afraid. Grant it, Lord God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord.
Ain't God good? Hallelujah. Sing something, Harry. Let's just worship him just, just for a few minutes before we go. I know your kids got school and stuff tomorrow, but let's just worship him just a little bit before we go. Amen. Well, just, with all your heart. Thank you, Lord. I cry, Lord. Oh, he deserves our praise tonight. I want to go higher with thee. But the Lord knows I can't live on the mountain. So he picked out a
Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, can you say it's been good to be together in the house of the Lord? Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. If you was ministered to tonight, please don't pray that I pick up another screw and a tire so you can be helped again. God bless you, saints. Love you. Amen. Turn and shake hands with somebody and tell them it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Be a trustee meeting in my office after the service. God bless you, saints. See you this weekend. God bless you. Amen. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise tonight. Amen. You've seen this over and over. He molds me and makes me. Over and over. Over and over. He molds me and makes me. Into his Maybe F. Amen. Let's. Over and over. Let's sing this little course tonight as we go. Amen. Be praying for the services this weekend. Just be coming, believing, expecting the Lord to move in a mighty way. Over and over, He molds me and makes me into His likeness. He fashions the clay. Fashions the clay.